RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement. But as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone. Refresh. For whatever reason, Rumble is going slowly. I don't know what the deal is, but we on. And sorry, I actually did start like two minutes late. Honestly, I don't know where my head is. My, my camera wasn't on. I was just like sitting here waiting for it to turn five o'clock and then it did. And I just kept sitting here thinking that it wasn't. I don't know. So we have a lot to talk about. Brand new information coming out of the state of Michigan. A an actual police agency, an investigative body looking into claims of election and voter fraud in the form of fake voter applications. I don't know if they're, I guess, applications to register to vote or if they're applications for absentee ballots. But anyway, it appears that there is evidence in Michigan to support thousands, if not tens of thousands, of fraudulent ballots. That, among many other things. So, do me a favor, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and we will be right back after this. Please, like and share. The U.S. dollar has lost 85% of its value since the 1970s. That's when the dollar was decoupled from gold. And right now, it seems like the government is hell-bent on continuing that tradition. From now until the next election, you can bet the government is going to print as much money as they want. And the last time they did that, inflation went up by 9%. You see, gold is the one asset that has been proven to withstand inflation. And you can invest in gold with Noble Gold Investments. And when you do, you're also going to get this 24-karat, quarter-ounce gold standard coin for free. So visit Noble Gold Investments at my special website, redpill78gold.com. Once again, that's Noble Gold Investments at redpill78gold.com or simply dial 877-646-5347 and they're going to answer the phone any time of the day. Noble Gold is the only gold company I trust and when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. Oh, that's the wrong one. Why? Okay, there we go. Thank you. Uh, looks like maybe I need to reset this camera. That wasn't quite right. So let me just reboot that little guy right there. Yeah, I don't know why everything is not working properly today. There we go. That that should be fine. Let me just test this out real quick. And nope, it's definitely not working. Well, I don't know what the deal is with that guy. There we go. Now it's working. Now it's on. 
Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I really appreciate you being here. If you wouldn't mind, please hit that like button. Please also consider sharing the show because obviously that will get more people here. I want as many people as possible to know that this is uh, someplace they can come to get real news, to get quality analysis, and uh, I'm not going to be blowing a bunch of smoke up your rear end. I love talking about theories, guys, but when it comes down to it, we got to get to brass tacks. We have a mission ahead of us, and that is saving the United States of America. Let me just say thank you to Filter Dog One who says, whoop, whoop, uh, a chance at live while I make spaghetti. Okay, sweet. And I saw some people in the Rumble chat saying this was their uh, maybe their first time here being live, or maybe they just hadn't been able to be here recently uh, on a live, but I'm glad that you're here. I was going to open, I wasn't going to bury the lead, but um, I think maybe considering the fact that I invoked the name of Anheuser-Busch in the thumbnail, uh, I actually should just give you briefly this news that I have about the future of Anheuser-Busch. First of all, it came out that one of the heirs to the Anheuser-Busch family fortune, now obviously the the Anheuser-Busch family, they sold their business to InBev years ago. Uh, and so they got their payout and they walked away happy. They left and Budweiser was still an iconic American brand. Now, for somebody like me who doesn't drink it, really has no bearing here or there. But in the grand scheme of things, I think that the people, consumers, having the power to shut down a massive international brand like this when they attempt to propagandize and brainwash our children and the future generations of America, I think that the 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 the, the plot we see playing out right in front of us uh, has uh, uh, quite a bit of significance for the future because it sets the stage. It lets these companies know what exactly we are willing to accept and what we won't be willing to accept. <clears throat> now, Billy Bush, who is the heir to the Anheuser-Busch fortune, uh, he was being interviewed and he was asked about the Dylan Mulvaney controversy. Now, he said that if his ancestors were alive today, well, if they knew what was going on, they would be rolling over in their graves. Now, that's not to say that Billy Bush has a problem with gay people because that's not what this is about. You know, there is something very different. There's a delineation between the LGB and then like the T plus SSQ, our P two spirits or whatever it might be. It's completely different. And even among those groups, those people are talking about having their own sort of national divorce. The LGB doesn't want to be associated with the insanity of the T's. And uh, I think that Billy Bush understands that that insanity is something that America is not willing to accept. Everyone has a right to exist. But when you take this ideological point of view and you shove it, into the framework of American institutions, it's perpetually offensive. It's the kind of thing that makes people turn away in disgust. And that's exactly what's happened with Anheuser-Busch. Now, Billy Bush uh, understands this, and uh, he he knows this, this, uh, this separation between these two issues. Rejecting the trans ideology that is being pushed on children, that's being pushed into sports, that's essentially erasing women uh, and their very important role uh, from the home, the family, all of these various industries that they've worked very difficultly uh, to get into, uh, to make these strides and gains. The trans movement is pushing all of those women aside because uh, at the end of the day, men are just going to be 
naturally stronger than women. We have a, a, a bit of a advantage in terms of upper body strength, in terms of bone density. You know, we can get more done in a physical manner. So if men and women are forced to compete against each other, well, then men are going to win every time. And we keep seeing that time and time again. But when a corporation like Anheuser-Busch and InBev try to push this trans ideology onto our children, uh, into our institutions, well, that's the point at which people like you have decided to walk away. And again, this is all about the power of us as a, a, a monolithic entity. All right, we have more power than we can possibly imagine, and we've demonstrated that with our boycott of Anheuser-Busch and InBev in general. As a result of that boycott, <clears throat> their sales have plummeted. They have been cast off the charts. They are no longer among, they're no longer the number one beer in America. They're no longer in the top 10 beers in America. They are now even being forced to sell off some of their smaller brands so that they can focus on their core brands and the whole shebang doesn't fall apart. So this collapse of InBev and Anheuser-Busch has just gotten very real. It's also pretty interesting because when we heart, when we started this whole thing, there were a lot of people that were telling us, you know, just to get over it, that we didn't have any power. We didn't have the ability to affect any change uh, on a global scale, on a mass scale such as this. But it's quite clear that we made a decision not to support a business that wasn't going to be supporting our values. And as a result, they are now being forced to sell off massive portions of their business to stop themselves from going out of business. They will be selling eight of their craft beer brands to a, a Canadian company called Tilray Brands. This was announced just yesterday, uh, and it's going to cut down their portfolio of beers uh, to a significant margin. Now, Tilray is actually a Canadian weed company. They're a cannabis company, uh, and they're going to be purchasing Shock Top, Breckenridge Brewery, Blue Point Brewing Company, Ten Barrel Brewing Company, Red Hook Brewing Company, Widmar Brothers Brewing, Square Mile Cedar Company, and High Ball Energy. This is a deal that's expected to be worth $85 million, and that's according to legal filings coming out of this deal. Now, in addition to this, Anheuser-Busch is also going to be selling off uh, some of the brand's employees. Uh, they're going to be handing those people off to the new company. Uh, and one good thing about that means that uh, the people who would otherwise have potentially lost their jobs because of the mistakes of their corporate, corporate overlords attempting to engage in this uh, ESG and DEI behavior, it means that now they're going to have their jobs secured. They're going to be able to continue to provide for their families. So keep it up, my friends. If you see a company that does not represent your values, who you are, what you wish to see in the world, then just remember, all you have to do is vote with your wallet. I am so proud, and I hope that we can parlay, parlay that into additional gains uh, where we can be successful here in America on the political stage. We have to fight with our very lives to take back this country. And ever since 2020 took place, we have been crying out, trying to get some law enforcement agency, trying to get someone in authority to admit <clears throat> or at least take a look at the possibility that there was massive fraud taking place across all of these swing states, Michigan being one of them. Well, guess what? 
confidentially, quietly, secretly in the background, the Michigan State Police was actually doing just that. And the Gateway Pundit broke this news earlier today that massive voter fraud was uncovered in Michigan. We're talking about tens of thousands of fake voter registrations. We've got bags of prepaid gift cards, probably that they're passing out to get those people's information. Guns with silencers? Why would a voter advocacy organization need guns with silencers? That is crazy. Also, burner phones. We all know about burner phones because they are the favorite choice of criminals so that a phone line that's uh, registered to their name or social security number can't be tied back to them. Go to 7-Eleven, just like Devin Archer was told to by Hunter Biden, pick up a, a burner phone, and then they can communicate without having to worry about pesky things like uh, the police listening in or Perhaps the FBI tracking their movements. Uh, And now all of this stuff, all of this stuff is a result of Democrat funded organizations. And they had multiple temporary facilities set up all over the nation in a variety of states. This, my friends, is a very important story because it validates the worst possible aspects of what we've been trying to get people to hear for the last couple of years. Election fraud is real. Voter fraud is real. It's done on a massive scale. It is done in a coordinated fashion. It's done by the Democrats using dark money. And of course, that doesn't negate the possibility of Republican groups engaging in election fraud policies and and practices as well. But for the purpose of this story, we're talking about election fraud coming from the left. So it says here in the article that uh, Philip O'Halloran and Lori Skibo contributed to this story. Now, the two election integrity activists obtained a copy of this secret Michigan State Police report, and they began looking into the story back in June. Now, who is Phil O'Halloran? He is the chairman of the Michigan Republican Party's Election Integrity Committee, so he is a person of note within the official Republican Party of Michigan. And then Lori Skibo is director of the Michigan GOP's poll challenger program. So she also holds an official position. Now, they brought this story to the attention of the Gateway Pundit, and if it wasn't for their work, their 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 uh, solid gumshoe activities, then we might not know about it at all. So let's go back in time. <clears throat> October 8th, 2020. One month before the general election, we go to Muskegon, in in Muskegon, Michigan, the city clerk, her name is Ann Meisch, she noticed some suspicious activity. A black female whose name was redacted in the report but has actually since been revealed was dropping off something like 8,000 to 10,000 completed voter registration applications at the city clerk's office. Now, if that doesn't set off your alarm bells, then you probably shouldn't be working in the city clerk's office. So, Thank God Anne is a savvy customer. She called the Michigan, excuse me, she called the Muskegon Police Department, and uh, they were asked to come on in and investigate. So on October 21st, First Lieutenant Mike Anderson was contacted by Tom Fabus, who is chief of investigations for Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel's office. Dana Nessel, of course, is the one who very recently brought those charges against the alternate electors for President Trump in Michigan. And she made mention of election integrity efforts and how important that was. But I don't think she mentioned anything about this ongoing investigation by the Michigan State Police or the or the Muskegon Police. So. According to this report, 
Mr. Fabus then asked for the Michigan State Police to get involved and to begin this joint investigation so that they could look into these allegations of a voter fraud that were being conducted by both the Muskegon Police Department and now the Attorney General's office. So we have a tri-agency investigation that is triplicate confirmation of the activities and illegal events that took place herein. So this is from the Michigan State Police Report. October 16th, 2020, Muskegon City Clerk Ann Meish and Deputy Clerk Kimberly Young contacted the Muskegon Police Department after noticing irregularities in voter registration applications received both in person and by mail. So there are at least multiple people running opposite ends of the same scam in Muskegon. Now, do you think Muskegon is an aberration here? No, I don't think so. Uh, Take a look back at uh, 2020. Well, well, 2016, President Trump won the state of Michigan. I think it was by 15,000 votes. We go back to 2020 and he loses the state of Michigan to Joe Biden by 150,000 votes, despite the fact that his popularity was much higher, that he had increased his voter margin uh, tenfold. Uh, I think it's a lot more likely that perhaps Joe Biden was the recipient of this exact scheme that is being pointed out in the state of Michigan. So as I said earlier, Anne became suspicious when she saw this black female uh, who was hand-delivering thousands of voter registration applications directly into the office. Now, one thing about them, it's not just that they were thousands of applications. Many of them had the exact same handwriting. So clearly elements of fraud at play. So on October 20th of 2020, this was the deadline for in-person voter registration applications. The same black female returned to the Michigan Muskegon's city clerk's office, and she was additionally dropping off more registrations directly to Ann Meish in person. So Meish estimated at that time that the suspect brought in another 2,500 forms. Meish then contacted the Muskegon Police Department and Detective Logan Anderson and Captain Sean Bride. They conducted a non-custodial interview with this assailant, the uh, the person in question who is engaging in these clearly fraudulent activities. So Meish stated, in her opinion, that a quantity of the voter registration forms were highly suspicious and possibly fraudulent. I think it stands to reason that if someone is dropping off a bundle of some fraudulent voter registration applications, the chances are pretty good that the majority of them are going to be fraudulent. But either way, at least several thousand of them are, and that several thousand could make all the difference, especially in a local election such as uh, Muskegon. So, uh, and Maisha's opinion was based on the fact that there were numerous forms that all appeared to have been completed by the same handwriting, the same person. Upon initial examination, it also showed that multiple addresses on these forms were either invalid or they simply did not exist. So they were making up people to register to vote out of whole cloth. And they knew because of the scam of COVID-19 and the lockdowns and all of the fear that these voter registration applications were simply just going to be uh, accepted. And then those ballots would go out. Now, here's the thing. If the addresses were not real addresses, then where would these ballots end up going? Well, if they're entering into the mail delivery system at the U.S. Postal Service and those U.S. Postal people know that these 
valid or that these now voter application turned into a ballot is going out to an address that doesn't exist. All they got to do is take that address that doesn't exist, pop it into their bag, and then they go back to whomever their handlers are, hand over these thousands of uh, these these thousands of ballots. And there you go. You have all of these election, uh, all these votes that you can inject into the election system. So in addition to those two points, Meish investigated further. She found that phone numbers on multiple forms were also erroneous and signatures on multiple forms did not match signatures that were on file with the Department of the Secretary of State. There are examples that were provided in the police report from the Michigan State Police. Now, those addresses did not exist in Muskegon City's house numbering system. And then another form listed 80 West Southern Avenue, which is the address for Muskegon High School. That's clear not a residence. So later on in the report, we have the name of the female suspect unredacted. Michigan State Police assigned to the case spoke with this female suspect who told them this. She was being paid $1,150 per week to find unregistered voters and provide them with a form so they could get registered to vote or obtain their absentee ballot. Now, the only problem here is that the handwriting on these voter registration forms was clearly written by the same person, and several of these registrations had addresses which simply did not exist. So it sounds like our unidentified black female was getting paid money. Maybe she was just taking the money and then filling out these applications on her own. Again, do you think that Muskegon or this woman exists in a vacuum? No, no. If they know that it works in one place, they're going to make sure that they're doing it in many other places, probably all over the state of Michigan, certainly all over the country, certainly in these swing states. Now, going back to Michigan's current attorney general, Dana Nessel, she's the one who's prosecuting these 15 senior citizens uh, for their actions in the 2020 election, attempting to file alternate electors. And uh, she recently had a, a press conference with the Michigan State Police uh, because of these, the uh, the voter fraud uh, uh, evidence that was found uh, that they're claiming these people, the alternate electors, engaged in. However, she had no public comment about this case or anything related to it. Uh, now, also two members of the uh, criminal investigation division that's run by Attorney General Nessel were assigned to this very operation and this investigation. And again, they were never mentioned to the public. Nobody talked about it. Uh, Dana Nessel will also tell you to this very day that there is no such thing as evidence of widespread voter fraud in the state of Michigan. But we know that there was because we've seen it ourselves. Now, uh, also, uh, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, who is uh, another one of those Soros protégés, uh, was involved for a period of time. Uh, there was another large-scale investigation that took place, and it was eventually handed off to the FBI. So uh, what happened to the investigation? Well, uh, we have someone named Corey Ames, who is a Michigan Secretary of State analyst, and they confirmed that a quantity of the forms that they found in their investigation are clearly fraudulent. So Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson also claiming that there is no widespread voter fraud in the state of Michigan is completely negligent when you examine this case because the evidence supported by this case and the investigation by the Secretary of State and the Attorney General all support the assertion that widespread voter fraud exists in the state of Michigan. Now, the Gateway Pundit, uh, as uh, uh, the uh, the people who brought them this story, 
Uh, they are doing their best to expose the report that was contained therein. And, uh, of course, these fraudulent ballots uh, were probably only one case among many. So it's up to local individuals, perhaps people working in these election offices, to do their best to try to raise awareness and speak to police. We, we need more investigations all around the country into uh, small examples of election fraud just like this. And and this, my friends, is why it's so vitally important that you end up as a person who cares about this country to work inside the election system. You need to be working in the clerk's office. You guys need to be running for office. You need to be doing whatever you can to be part of this system so that we can maintain those checks and balances the whole way along. Now, it's also worth noting that after documenting these crimes and investigating them for weeks, the Michigan police then turned over their investigation to the FBI. What did the FBI do with it? Well, they buried it. They didn't look into it ever again. And then the FBI continued to take no action. And uh, I'm wondering if now, as a result of this report being made public, they're going to have any commentary on it. I mean, certainly this is a real election fraud investigation that the FBI chose to simply ignore. They gaslit us. They told us that there is no such thing as widespread voter fraud or election fraud. And the police in Michigan who were investigating this voter fraud back in October of 2020, before the 2020 election, a month prior to the general election, uh, they were aware of it. The FBI was aware of it. They knew about all of these crimes. They knew about the investigation by each one of these agencies. And of course, they chose to do nothing about it. So, there are some redactions throughout the police report. Uh, we don't have uh, all of the information, but we have most of the information. The report names a group called GBI Strategies. They are identified as the organization who's running this voter fraud scheme taking place in Michigan. Now, they are a Tennessee-based group. They are heavily connected to, guess who, the Biden campaign and to, to a number of other Democrat campaigning committees. They are also releasing a report uh, that shows that the name's Brillis as a person who is involved. So Brillis, who is Brillis and GBI Strategies? We'll look up that one over here. GBI Strategies. Okay, let's see what we can find over there. Um, looks like that may be a person who is involved at the corporate level. All right, so the report from 2020 revealed that GBI Strategies has been in operation since 2014. And investigators discovered that GBI Strategies was paid $1.571 million by the Doug Jones for Senate campaign back in 2018. Uh, that was just a, a single race that they were involved in. It was also determined that GBI Strategies was paid $188,000 by the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee back in 2018. We've got a number of employees that are registered as working at GBI Strategies. They got paid $15 an hour or $120 a day. <clears throat> and if you go, you can verify that information because they had public jobs posted through Google searches at jobsearcher.com and jobaddict.com. 
Now, uh, these were supposedly administrative assistant positions, but obviously, unless we get somebody from GBI Strategies to speak to us on the record, we don't really know exactly what they were engaging in. But a woman who was interviewed by the police, the one who said that she was being paid to bring these uh, these registration forms in, said she was paid eleven fifty a week. She was also given a rental car so that the car wouldn't trace back to her, and she was giving a reloadable pay card. So it looks like they were paying for all of her expenses along the way as well. Now, police also reported that there were hundreds of these same prepaid cards from different companies, along with dozens of new burner phones that were all found in a Southfield raid in Michigan. And from the report here, the rear storeroom and office had items associated with manager Brillis, backpack, computer, and phone. Several wire storage racks surrounded the border of the room with a whiteboard and bulletin board on other walls. There were dozens of new phones located in boxes. Hundreds of prepaid payment cards were also found unopened and addressed to a person whose name is redacted. The cards were from two different companies. NetSpend was one of them, and then the other one's probably like Green Dot or something like that. So the police report noted that there were a number of job filings from this company. They were listed in Flint, Michigan, and uh, a regional manager posting was in D.C. and Chicago, Illinois. Now, the group has uh, uh, established branches all across the nation. During the investigation, they also found that a partially completed voter registration form and police found Pelican cases in the room with semi-automatic rifles that were joined with suppressors and optics and customized pistols. One case had four rifles and four pistols. Now, I've got a couple of uh, rifles here at the house that are also joined up with suppressors. What I'm interested in is if these suppressors were legally owned by, say, GBI. Uh, Were they legally owned by the management of these groups? Uh, Or did they just have weapons of assassination that they were keeping on hand in case they needed to kill some of these people who were doing these uh, fraudulent activities for us? So it looks like uh, the other company was called Skylight. So the report also claims these weapons were determined to be legal and lawful. They called the ATF to inspect the weapons. And uh, the witness who filled out the affidavit first witnessed minivans moving from a hotel in Grand Haven to the location of this business, which is a former California eye care location. Uh, The next day, Detective Luker was notified and he went to the address where he found a bag of trash, which was filled with information on employee agreements. Your affiant believes that blank is the temporary business office for Muskegon operations based on surveillance and documents found in the trash. The affiant also believed that the records found at the location were crucial to determining the crime of election fraud forgery and determining who may be criminally liable and who may have profited off of the fraud. Every one of the employees of GBI Strategies was probably engaged in the exact same activities as the young black woman that was uh, uh, reported on in the Muskegon City Clerk's Office. So, yeah, certainly the names, uh, the addresses, uh, the personal information of these people, uh, highly interesting. And it seems seems like the, the type of thing that the FBI might want to follow up on. But, of course, that's in a perfect world where the FBI does their work, uh, where justice is blind, and, of course, they They don't just persecute their political enemies. So 
The affiant, the person who filled this out, also later obtained a copy of the Muskegon Police Report 2020-19124. This was authored by Officer Foster with a supplemental report by Detective Logan Anderson, all during a copy of the search warrant of this business's location. This next paragraph from the police document reveals the Muskegon City Clerk Ann Meisch and Deputy Clerk Kimberly Young first contacted the police back in October of 2020. Uh, And of course, they contacted them after determining that all of these uh, voter registration forms were either fraudulent or filled out by the same people or had fake numbers, et cetera, et cetera. So. Uh, what happened to that woman? Uh, and if she was caught dropping off, say, 10,000 voter registration applications on one day and then another 2,500 on another day, how many other people were out there doing the exact same thing and turning in fake voter registration applications all over the nation? Now, what's really interesting to me uh, is uh, the the collection, the odd assortment of things that were found at these locations. You got bags of cash. You got burner phones. You've got uh, uh, rifles with uh, scopes and <laughs> with suppressors. That uh, just doesn't seem like the kind of thing that a, a voter advocacy organization that was being paid by the Democrats uh, would be engaging in. I mean, unless, of course, you know the types of dirty things that these people are up to. Uh, looks like uh, there was a United States Postal Service inspector that was also interviewed in connection with this after consulting with the Muskegon PD detectives and Michigan Department of uh, State analyst Corey Ames. Your affiant would describe the results as finding that a quantity of the voter application forms are clearly fraudulent. A quantity of the voter application forms are highly suspicious, having either erroneous or missing key pieces of information and merit further follow up. And a quantity of the voter registration forms appear to be legitimate based on cross checks and database reviews. Those may be actual people that this woman was able to get in contact with. So on the 27th of October 2020, they contacted the U.S. Postal Service Inspector James Van Putt in Detroit. Uh, Tracking information from the six labeled packages received at the Muskegon City Clerk's Office were then sent to the United States Postal Service analysts for review. At this time, the search warrant affidavit results of the request are not yet available. And as we know that the Postal Service is essentially controlled by the deep state and the Biden regime, uh, of course, they took this story and they went ahead and buried it in their own investigations as well. So now we have uh, the the Secretary of State's office. We have the Attorney General's office. uh, We have the Michigan State Police. We have the Muskegon police. We have the uh, U.S. Postal Service inspector. We also have the FBI. That's that's like eight uh, federal and state organizations that all were aware of the type of stuff that was found. Can you imagine if the if the FBI went into Donald Trump's house and in addition to uh, some documents, he also had a whole bunch of burner phones. He had uh, a bunch of rifles with silencers on them uh, and uh, and he had a whole bunch of voter registration applications. I mean, they would be literally frothing at the mouth. So uh, the the idea that this left wing organization would have materials that, you know, make it look like they're ready to kill people, I find to be highly compelling now. I remind you that all of this took place over three years ago, well, nearly three years ago. And as we sit here, Donald Trump continues to be indicted for trumped up bogus charges. 
Uh, the election was stolen from us in 2020. They did the same thing in 2022. And as we come into 2024, we've got a lot of work to do to continue to educate the American people, change the minds of this nation, and show them that there's no way Donald Trump lost to Joe Biden by 150,000 votes in the state of Michigan. There is no way that Joe Biden received 81 million votes across this nation when he didn't campaign, when he didn't do anything other than show up on Zoom meetings. Uh, and uh, and we have organizations funded by the DNC and the Democrat deep state elite organizations like GBI Strategies organizing what appear to be complicated voter registration Broad events all across the state of Michigan and probably all across the nation. So uh, I'm actually going to uh, uh, be very interested to see what happens with this story. Um, as far as I know, it's in the FBI's hands. Uh, the evidence is here, though, and I think this is a great way to show people uh, that this was actually a real thing. Here in this article, you you have the Michigan State Police reports. You have all of the uh, the affidavits. Uh, it's about thirty two. No, I'm sorry. It's it's about fifty pages, fifty, fifty five, fifty, sixty pages of uh, of information. So I'd suggest going to the Gateway Pundit and checking this out. I think it's a, it's a great story. Okay, listen, we've got to take a break for the second half of the show. We're going to be right back in just a moment. So a nationwide bank was recently hit by a massive cyber attack that exposed the social security numbers, full names, birth dates, and even more of nearly half a million banking customers. Now, unfortunately for those that have been affected, the damage could have been minimized or prevented with a quality cybersecurity service like Virtual Shield One. Virtual Shield One includes identity protection, fraud monitoring, social security protection, dark web monitoring, an industry-leading VPN, malware, and ad blocking, online search data removal, and up to $1 million worth of insurance, and so much more. Now, the best part is you can get it all with a 60-day risk-free trial of Virtual Shield 1 using my special link in the description below. It includes unlimited access to Virtual Shield's identity protection suite and several other free gifts. So simply go to virtualshield.com forward slash redpill78 or just click the link in the description box below. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right, so a couple of comments from the chat. Lisa says uh, that's not very comforting, knowing that it's in the FBI's hands. Uh, no, uh, obviously, that's not the comforting part. But uh, Clutchworks says we all know that this is the FBI's last hurrah. This saga is the FBI's last hurrah, and I agree with that. Uh, the information that was just presented to you in that article comes from an official source. This comes from all of those various state and federal agencies that I mentioned. That, my friends, is evidence that's irrefutable. That was not dug up by Donald Trump. That was not some conspiracist on the internet. This is evidence of thousands of fraudulent voter registration applications and more than likely fraudulent ballots that ended up being sent out to people and were then cast, likely, in the favor of Joe Biden. So uh, at the very least, <clears throat> this evidence presented in this report is something that can be used to refute the charges that are being levied against the uh, alternate electors in the state of Michigan. And 
I also think that it's uh, evidence that can be used by President Trump in his own cases to show that he truly believed that there was election fraud. And there are any number of uh, examples of that that you can find from official sources. Now, just because the Democrats say that there is no such thing as widespread election fraud, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. We just needed the proper venue to be able to prove it. And I believe that we now have that ability to do so. Now, I'd like to give you an update on this guy right here. He is a former FBI agent. Uh, He is disgraced. We've talked about him before uh, because he was forced to plead guilty uh, to uh, essentially engaging in Russia collusion. He was a senior FBI agent, and he was directly involved in the middle of the 2016 FBI investigation against President Trump, where they were attempting to pin phony allegations of Russia collusion on him. Uh, Trump-Russia collusion, you, you remember that. I mean, it was the only thing that you could see on the airwaves. Now, uh, it ended up turning out that he was the one who was engaging in Russia collusion. It, it was another example of the left and the deep state engaging in uh, um, uh, issues of projection, trying to project their own crimes onto Donald Trump. They say, look over here, not over here. Meanwhile, in this hand, they're getting a payoff from some Russian oligarchs. I think in this case, it was Oleg Deripaska. Yes. Uh, so this uh, former FBI agent was accused by prosecutors of working directly for Oleg Deripaska, who was sanctioned by the U.S. government, uh, and uh, he has been forced to complete to, uh, um, uh, no, I'm sorry, so by by agreeing to the plea, uh, he is uh, no longer going to be facing charges of evading U.S. sanctions and money laundering. So uh, at one time, this man, McGonagall, was one of the highest ranking FBI officials, and he still remains one of the highest ranking FBI officials to have been criminally charged. Uh, he served. He served as a, uh, a top agency counterintelligence official in New York during the Russia collusion probe of 2016. And his attorney uh, has said that uh, they need about a week uh, to uh, explain that there was a decent chance this case was going to be resolved. So McGonagall retired in 2018. Uh, During his time as an FBI agent, he received covert payments from Oleg Deripaska. The money that he was receiving was in exchange for investigating arrival of Deripaska and unsuccessfully pushed in 2019 for the United States government to lift sanctions against Deripaska. Now, these charges came as prosecutors ramped up efforts to enforce their own sanctions on Russian officials, and it alerted them to the fact that one of their own was actually engaging in uh, uh, sleeping with the enemy, so to speak. So just in case you need a reminder, Deripaska is uh, a Russian oligarch. He started an aluminum company called Rusal. Uh, At one time, he was Russia's richest man, and he is among uh, two dozen or so oligarchs that are sanctioned and blacklisted by Washington, D.C. So uh, the U.S. Treasury has said that Deripaska was being investigated for money laundering, for extortion, for racketeering, 
uh, all at the same time that he was engaging in organized crime and most likely responsible for the murder of people as well. Uh, in a separate case is where McGonagall is being charged. He is being charged with concealing $225,000 that he received uh, from a former Albanian intelligence officer. And uh, his uh, his lawyer is hoping that by copying to this plea, uh, he will be able to avoid going to trial. Uh, it should be interesting to see if the federal government uh, is willing to take this to trial. And they believe that he deserves more than simply just copying a plea to a lesser charge. I, I certainly think that he does. So we also have an update on uh, the events of January 6th. Uh, this is a quite stunning video uh, that was revealed earlier today. We have cell phone camera footage of a D.C. police officer admitting that they have non-uniformed police with specific markers in the crowd and that they were going undercover as Antifa in the crowd. I'm just going to take you directly to this because uh, it speaks for itself. What we have here is uh, the these officers are on the Capitol steps. We have uh, this officer here. He is uh, uh, dressed up as a Trump supporter. He's got a backpack and uh, uh, supplies and stuff. And then we have one of the uniformed D.C. police officers. He must have gotten some tear gas in his eyes or something like that. Uh, Penny Whitbrot says, am I the only one who's ready to hire Daenerys Targaryen and her dragon from Game of Thrones to burn the Empire of Liars, Schemers, and Cheaters to the ground? No, no, I am as well. Hold on, can you see that? <laughs> that's uh, that's the Stark family crest right there. I am certainly ready to hire Daenerys Targaryen to do that. Uh, yeah, you've, you've got my vote on that one. Okay, so, so here we have this undercover cop coming to assist a uniformed police officer, and he's got some interesting statements that he makes. Well, we go undercover as Antifa in a crowd, so can you put that back in? All right, thank you so yep, much. Yep. It feels better? You guys get sprayed? Here, here. Take this on the bottle. He said, we go undercover as Antifa in the crowd. This is exactly the kind of thing here that the January 6th commission did not want to get out. And you better believe they were aware of it. Bed. Oh, shoot. Um, th there was actually a different one, another video that I was going to play. Reopen last close tab. There we go. Okay. So who is this guy? Uh, I don't think we have his identity, but it's quite clear that he was a, a uniformed, uh, an undercover police officer on the date of. Uh, Wall Street Apes also shared this video here. This is where the police are telling each other uh, what they're wearing in the crowd so that they will know not to beat those guys. Apparently, they had candy stripes on their barrels. Uh, they also had a, a wristband that they were wearing, a specific wristband, uh, to show that um, they were a friendly and that uh, the police shouldn't be coming after them. So let me pull up the video of that as well from Wall Street Apes. Here we go. Here. 
sword guy, dark hair, black vest, thin blue line, uh, thing on, uh, dark hair, and he's got like a look, a look, a little 27 or something on his hip. No police identification on him at all. You couldn't get to him because there were so many people. But he's white male, white male, dark right, hair. Dark hair. Alright. It looked like a grayish black, maybe. Maybe a digital uh, Do any of your non-uniform guys have any identifiers? Like they will have a wristband. Their guns will have a candy stripe on the barrel. Okay. I don't know the wristband color, but they'll have a wristband somewhere. Okay. So the, the obvious question is, and this is something that we've suspected and we've actually gotten confirmation from uh, uh, from witnesses recently. Uh, you know, how many of these undercover agents were placed throughout the crowd? Which agencies were they working for? Was it simply D.C. police officers? I mean, we've had a number of uh, uh, body cam uh, videos that have uh, been revealed in recent months, which showed that these people were there. They were engaging in behavior designed to incite the crowd. Uh, more than likely, they probably exhibited some level of violence. Uh, clearly, they were placed among the protesters on January 6th. Because they needed something like this to happen. They needed people to freak out. They needed there to be some sort of event that took place. Now, this is what I remember. Uh, this is some overhead footage of the crowd on January 6th. This is what the crowd was like. People were standing there. People were singing. Uh, things were good. Uh, there was no problems. And look at this. As far as the eye can see, Trump supporters peacefully and patriotically Standing in solidarity together because we wanted the country to know that we had had enough, not because we wanted to take over the nation, because we wanted to protect our nation, because we wanted people to understand the severity, the gravity of what had been done to our republic. They stole our country and they did it over time. But the steal that took place in 2020 was the final betrayal. And the powers that be needed the events in January 6th to become violent. They needed people to engage in behavior that they could then package up into a sizzle reel and put it out on every mainstream media platform, newspaper, whatever it might be. Uh, and so uh, this is uh, uh, just another little slow trickle of that detail coming out, showing the world that, yes, in fact, there were agent provocateurs who were present on January 6th. They were dressed as Antifa. Remember the reports of the police bringing in that bus of Antifa people? Maybe that wasn't really Antifa people. Maybe that was police dressed as Antifa who then did a double cross by dressing as Trump supporters so that they can then take off their Trump gear <clears throat> and, uh, and and exit the scene as Antifa. But really, the whole time, they were D.C. police. I don't know. But it's certainly worth asking. All right. Um, let me actually go over a couple of thank yous that we have over here on the foxhole. Let me say thank you very much uh, to Just Duckies for dropping that cookie. 
Uh, thank you to Zeta Anon, who says, I haven't been able to catch a live show for a bit either. Not your new schedule. Just life is crazy in every way. Well, Zeta Anon, I- I'm glad you're here. I hope everything's okay. I uh, hope you and the family are doing all right. And if you need anything, obviously, you just let us know in the chat. FilterDog1, thank you for that can. Uh, Boise Blanc 89 thank you for the cookie. FilterDog says, uh, slipping away to finish cooking dinner. Hope that you have a, uh, a good meal. Uh, Redeemed Patriot, thank you for the cookie. Mighty Patriot, thanks for that phone. Boise Blanc dropped another cookie. Filter Dog says, uh, sadly, I lost all mine in a tragic boating accident. I don't know what exactly that is that you lost, but hope that you're okay. Who cares? Uh, says, high five, Zach, and RPGF. Don't forget the whiteboard shows distribution of weapons. Uh, you're talking about the whiteboard on uh, that GBI strategies. Uh, I didn't see it. Uh, but if there is more information, gosh, I, I would like to see that. Uh, also, uh, Just Ducky says, don't be discouraged that we already knew these things. It's amazing the avalanche of in- info that's coming down. Yes, this is so important because, you know, although sometimes it can be tiring, it can be exhausting uh, when we see things reported that we already knew, like Fredo said earlier, Barack Obama's gay. I thought everybody knew that already, <laughs> but obviously some people were not aware of that. And, and hearing that Barack Obama waxed philosophical about sleeping with men to his girlfriend at the time. I mean, that definitely is news and it's news that we are now getting the data in the manner in which we are, Because it's one thing for me, Zach Payne podcaster, to come on the air and say, hey, guys, guess what? There was election fraud. Here's how it happened. And, you know, basically, we got to make sure it doesn't happen again. It's another thing for the Michigan State Police, the Secretary of State's office, the Attorney General's office, the FBI, uh, the Muskegon Police, and any other official organization to have full knowledge of the fraud that was taking place in Michigan. And knowing, most importantly, that they chose to do nothing about it. It was before the election. It was even before I got deleted from freaking YouTube. Uh, Eliza Jane, uh, I have not lost my guns. Uh, so, no, I don't know what that's in reference to, reference to but no, uh, my guns have not been taken. Um, let me see. Uh, Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Elizabeth G, thank you for the cookie. And then Elizabeth also says, amazing how many MSM don't know about the contact of 1871 that made the U.S. a corporation, now bankrupt. I am going to be doing a, a full two-hour show on uh, the uh, the U.S. corporation with John on Baseless Conspiracies next week. So tune in at that time. It's going to be a good one. We'll see if we can convince John to think about things in a different way. All right. <clears throat> so real briefly, uh, you guys might remember a couple of weeks ago I published uh, some links to uh, new photographs and new things that had been revealed by Marco Polo on Hunter Biden's laptop. <clears throat> One of the uh, sets of photos that was on that laptop was of um, a girl who I just assumed was like an e-thought. Uh, she was like a, a, a like an online 2023 kind of prostitute chick. You know, I mean, just the girls with all the tattoos that are, make make money on OnlyFans or something like that. Anyways, it turns out she definitely was the stripper. Uh, and now she's coming forward to talk about her relationship with Hunter Biden and more specifically his degeneracy. Now, there's also a comment that he makes in this kind of story that she tells. But she she had a little bit of insight and it's not something that I think is particularly surprising. But she said that he was basically the whipping boy for his family, uh, that uh, he, he felt like his parents never loved him, that Bo was the golden child. He he was always second to Bo as the white knight. 
and that very uh, disturbing things uh, existed inside Hunter Biden's mind. Uh, he was obsessed with all of this stuff. He was also obsessed with crack cocaine. Uh, if anybody out there has ever uh, known someone who was addicted to crack, you know the hold that it has on them. Uh, but even more importantly, if you're a person with money and you have access to unlimited crack cocaine, that is going to drive you to an early grave. But he would talk about how great crack was. It's the greatest drug. It's it's more pure than cocaine. He said it's not a poor man's drug. And uh, he had all these uh, apparent facts about crack cocaine, about why he loved it. And yeah, he said that it was healthier than cocaine, I guess, because it wasn't going to put a hole in your uh, your septum. But obviously, you smoke enough crack and it's going to push you down a very dark road. She also talks about uh, hanging out with Hunter and Haley. Uh, they went to Haley's house, I guess. And uh, she said, <clears throat> this is kind of interesting. She said, I know this looks weird. You're probably judging me, but I never cheated on my husband, talking about Bo, Haley, obviously Bo's widow. Uh, and she said, you know, uh, I, 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 I don't care if you cheated on your husband. This is your brother-in-law. It's pretty weird. So she uh, goes on to discuss the relationship, the um, uh, kind of arrangement that she had with Hunter Biden. She met him because he called her to his hotel room where he was living with a couple of prostitutes to do spray tans on uh, on him and the other girls. And he paid her $800 for 20 minutes of work. So she said, hey, this is an easy mark. I can go ahead and continue to, uh, to, to you know, bleed that money dry from him. So <clears throat> what 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 stood out to me here? is uh, at some point in April of 2019, so more than a year before the election of 2020, he called this girl out to dinner. Uh, and it was quite clear that he was on drugs. He was acting erratic. He was sweating profusely. He was on the phone the whole time. He was coming and going from the bathroom. His daughter was there with him. Like, what a scumbag. But anyways, in this conversation, he tells her, this is the last time you're going to hear from me. Because my dad's going to be president. So back in April of 2019, it wasn't that Joe Biden was running for president. It's that they already knew he would be anointed president. So this just goes to show you how deep this plot is uh, to install Joe Biden in power in Washington, D.C., and to ensure that Donald Trump would not be president for a second time immediately following his time as uh, president the first time. So I've said this before, but I think that it uh, is worth saying. I know that, you know, we're all living through some very difficult times. Um, but just as Just Ducky said, we can't take it for granted that people are learning things uh, that they never would have learned otherwise. I, I think we can't take it for granted uh, either that we wouldn't be in this situation if it wasn't for the fact that they stole the election. Uh, Donald Trump would not be in the position he is if it wasn't for the fact that they stole the election. Now, because they have shown how evil they are by persecuting their political rivals and forcing this into a court of law, they have committed a major tactical error. Uh, you could look at it one way and say that, hey, you know, this was all uh, ordained. I mean, it had to happen this way. And so, you know, it's all going according to plan. Um, or you can look at it as these people uh, are so full of themselves, so narcissistic and full of hubris uh, that they thought that this was an acceptable way to try to beat the most popular president of the 21st century, the 20th century of every century, the entire history of the United States. Um I, I think that uh, they go hand in hand.
Uh, I think that we can expect the deep state to engage in criminal behavior. Uh, Donald Trump was aware that the only way that America would listen to this stuff is if it came out through the actions of Joe Biden. And here we are today. Now, uh, recently, when Devin Archer testified, he he testified to his very close relationship, not only with Hunter, but also with Joe. We saw that letter that was written to him, Joe's apology for not being able to join at that business meeting. Well, we also uh, now know that the close relationship between Hunter's other business partner, Eric Schwerin, uh, who was the uh, president of uh, Rosemont Seneca, which is Hunter Biden's uh, company, uh, was also very, very close with Joe Biden. He visited the White House while Joe Biden was vice president 36 times during the entire eight years that Obama was in office. Now, previously, we knew about 27 visits that Eric Schwerin had uh, been engaged with. Uh, And we also know that at least one of those times was for a direct sit-down meeting with Joe Biden. So let's go ahead and take a look at this clip from the post-millennial and uh, hear that coverage. Scheme. What does that mean? Yeah, well, the business, yeah, the, the business bill is Joe Biden. You know, there's a lot of questions about Often did Joe or did Joe talk about the business with Hunter? Was he involved in the business with Hunter? That gets the, you know, the cart before the horse. The business was Joe Biden, access to Joe Biden. If there's no Joe Biden, there's no business. Um, So, you know, to talk about, like, did Hunter or did Joe talk to Hunter about the business, which was actually selling to buyers the air of association and connection to Joe Biden is, I mean, it's just ridiculous. He is the business. This goes to, you know, a point that Dana made when we were talking about this last week. There are all these ethics rules that prevent exactly the sort of thing that went on here. And there's no way that this business could have gone on for five minutes under those circumstances right. unless Biden approved of it. So he's the business. There is absolutely no way. And this fact becomes clearer. It becomes more and more crystallized every single day. So, yes, do not take it for granted that we are witnessing the unmasking of the American people one eye at a time. Every single one of us learns more and more. And maybe some of us knew more before But we have a duty to continue to welcome these new initiates, these new red-pilled individuals into our community and be patient with them, guys, because not everybody can fully accept every red pill at the same time. Now, uh, S. Jones, 39, thank you so much, uh, says, Zach, I love your take on things. I've been out of the loop for a few weeks sick. I hope that you're okay. He says, I'm on the mend. Uh, Please keep opening John's eyes. Love baseless conspiracies. Thank you so much. I really enjoy baseless conspiracies as well, and I, I love Altered State with Brad, and you know, I, I love doing uh, 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 Taking It Back on Thursdays with 412 and Frank, too. <clears throat> uh, all of those shows that we do on um, on Badlands, I, I have a really, really good time doing it, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I have the opportunity to do so. Um, you know, somebody had said something to me recently, you know, asking about John's character. And, uh, you know, the best way that I can put it 
is that, um, you know, you guys know me. I've said this before, you know, I mean, I choose to associate with people that I, I feel are real, you know, that are not going to be backstabbers, uh, that are, are not going to um, to end up being enemies in the future. <clears throat> and John took a very successful channel that he had already built up on his own based upon his research and, and articles, and he converted that into something that not only benefited him, I mean, because obviously he's got, you know, his own shows, but he made it something for the people that he also resonates with, with the people that he cares about. And, you know, I mean, he, he that's a very selfless thing. So regardless of whatever you think about John or devolution or anything related to that, I think that it's worth mentioning that John essentially – sacrificed his own channel to create this thing called Badlands Media. And it's something that I think has benefited our movement uh, in just insurmountable ways. It's given us the opportunity uh, to create a community that I think everybody, all of us, we're, we're doing on our own. But by bringing it all together, I think that it's just something that's so vitally important. So I don't know. I just I, I appreciate John and I appreciate all of the people that we work with at Badlands Media. I think that it's really, really cool. Yes, the truth is out there is correct. Mm. All right, so we talked about this uh, just yesterday, I think, uh, the ties between Hunter Biden's uh, former firm, uh, uh, the uh, Boyce Schiller Flexner firm, uh, and the judge that's been assigned to oversee Donald Trump's January 6th case in Washington, D.C. Clearly, this woman is biased, and uh, I think that I, anybody who would be looking at this, knowing that she donated to Barack and Joe, knowing that uh, she's had this, you know, very clear bias running throughout the cases that she rules on against people on the right, for people on the left, uh, there's no way that she's going to be able to oversee Donald Trump's case in an unbiased manner. Now, what are the options that we have here? Well, Clearly, Donald Trump's attorneys are going to ask for a change of venue or they're going to ask for her to be replaced with somebody else. But uh, obviously, it's D.C. How many unbiased judges do you think are there in D.C.? Probably not that many. So I also believe that it's far more likely, considering the track record of the Dems and these deep state assets, that they're not going to allow for a change of venue. They're not going to allow for her to be replaced. They're going to force this woman to oversee this case. And I think she's going to be very unfair to Donald Trump. Uh, and uh, it may turn out that the evidence he's able to present fully exonerates him to such a degree that she's unable to uh, to, to throw the book at him, basically. Um, but if she does throw the book at him, it's going to be a giant eye-opening experience for the the rest of America. I mean, it's clear based upon recent polling that the majority of people, like 75% of the country, sees this for what it is. It is exactly what it looks like, political persecution. Um, hold on, I actually, did I miss? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Fredo, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this earlier. Can Trump's team subpoena the January 6th tapes, I would think they should have access considering the gravity of the charges. So a lot of them, something like 15,000 hours, have already been released publicly. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, putting them together. So 
he could definitely subpoena anything related to this case that is not classified. Uh, And since all of those tapes have been revealed, yes, he could definitely uh, enter that into evidence. Um, And then S. Jones 39 also said, John is set in his ways. He has to have sauce. That's what makes him good at what he does. What he has done is absolutely amazing. You guys are breaking him out of his shell. Keep it up, guys. Thank you so much. Yes, I agree with you. Uh, and, that, and that's what I like about John. You know, I mean, like he is no he's all business. OK, you know, he wants to see proof. And I, I think that when you are a person who tends towards the fantastical, I love like the most fantastic of explanations. I, I love overly complicated things and, you know, trying to like sort through uh, the reasons why somebody might do something. Uh, but th- there really is something to be said for challenging yourself to try to be as grounded as possible. That's not always easy for me. You know, they used to call me space cadet when I was a little kid. Mom, she can attest to that. You know, my head was always in the clouds. Uh, I-, I I couldn't concentrate. It was like the only time I would work is in the last five minutes of class because I was in my own world. And it's always been like that. Uh, that's why I love science fiction and fantasy and stuff like that. I just it it it's fascinating to me. I, I love uh, the uh, the 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 possible futures that mankind may find itself existing in, and that's why this one that we're living in right now is so horrific because it's not anything close to what I thought it was going to be. Um, but John, being that person, he challenges each and every one of us uh, to bring as much sauce as possible. And you know, I've I've always. Uh, felt that sauce was uh, was something that's clearly uh, important, uh, but it's different when I'm trying to present to somebody who has no idea what I'm talking about. Anyways, uh, I appreciate him. Thank you very much. Uh, Kitsko says, John is a deep thinker, not nimble like Zach. Thank you. Uh, also, he is green in the movement. Yes, very green, skeptical and full of questions, but he definitely is growing, just not caught up yet. Badlands, good idea. Yes, he he, he is uh, always learning. I'm always learning. Uh, there is uh, the day that I tell you that I know everything will be the day that uh, I have betrayed myself because I will never stop growing. I, I will never stop absorbing information and uh, trying to challenge myself to step outside the boundaries of uh, everything that that I think that I know. So uh, I wanted to to show a couple of recent hot takes from Democrat lawmakers about the circumstances surrounding Hunter Biden and, of course, Donald Trump's case. Um, A California rep, uh, Representative Chu, she said that unlike Hunter, unlike Trump, Hunter interacted with the law. And so therefore, Hunter got a fair deal. Would uh, someone tell Representative Judy Chu that up until the moment that Donald Trump was indicted for this garbage documents case uh, on for uh, in, in, in Florida, he had actually been in ongoing conversations and dialogue with the FBI and the DOJ trying to make sure that they had all the information that they needed. So it doesn't have anything to do with that. Hunter Biden got the deal he got because he's the son of the president. Hunter Biden was given a sweetheart deal because the man is allowed to get away with whatever he wants to. It's because we live in a uh, in an authoritarian society right now being run by a despot, uh, a, uh, a, a a maniacal, a power hungry madman sits in the seat of power in Washington, D.C. So Hunter Biden pleading guilty almost getting complete immunity for stuff in the future. That wasn't because he had shown up to work with police. 
He skated on all of that stuff until the last minute because it was just too much. The the DOJ had to charge him with something because otherwise it looks too obvious that it's political persecution and favoritism. Now, Jamie Raskin is also working to divert people's attention away from the Biden crime family and focus more on simply Hunter Biden. But you see, those two things do not exist in a vacuum outside of each other. Hunter Biden exists within the Biden crime family. The Biden crime family is an organization made up of the various Biden family members, and that includes Joe, Frank, Hunter, Haley, all of them. Well, Jamie Raskin uh, has finally realized that you cannot deny the fact that Hunter Biden was involved in some sort of influence peddling scheme. He admits that Hunter was trying to divert money to accounts of family members of the Biden. But but Joe Biden was completely innocent about this. Uh, he apparently had nothing to do with it. This all came out uh, from an interview that was held yesterday on News Nation. This is where Chris Cuomo is working right now. And he stated Hunter Biden was obviously trying to divert the different kinds of money into bank accounts in the names of his family members. But none of that involves President Joe Biden. And the president has never been accused meaningfully, meaningfully operative word of any corruption in his life. I don't think it has started now. Now, what did Chris Cuomo have to say? Well, hold on. Let's go ahead and pull up. Oh, no, I, I thought they had a clip, but they don't actually. Oh, yes, here it is. Uh, Congressman, my father may rest in peace used to talk about your party and a specific burden that he referred to as the burden of being better. Uh, And, you know, if you want to be in a battle to the bottom of the Republicans about what they're willing to swallow with Donald Trump uh, to keep power, okay, but it's not going to prove that you're any better. What I'm saying is what proves to the American people, and you know that you've got a growing number of voters are independent uh, because they are turned off by the parties. And you show that you're asking the same questions of Biden that you are of Trump and you win credibility. And I'm just saying that right now, your party doesn't seem to be pushing the president to me to answer these questions. Why do they have to be a matter of criminal investigation? Why can't he just be candid about what's true and what's not true? Well, he can't because he would have to incriminate himself. The Biden crime family has been engaged in meaningful corruption for decades for the entirety of Joe Biden's time in Washington, D.C. Hunter Biden, the reason this guy is so messed up is because he was raised inside of this criminal conspiracy from the very earliest ages. He was forced to do things that he did not want to do, that he knew inside of him were against God, were against nature, were more than likely against the law. The reason Hunter Biden became a very disturbed crack addict in his later years, well, I mean, he probably probably been a crack addict for decades now. I mean, he started smoking crack in college with Marion Barry when he was going to Georgetown, if I'm not mistaken. But Hunter Biden is who he is because of the burden that he's had to endure being the front man for the Biden crime family. So Joe Biden can't comment because Joe Biden's going to have to incriminate himself. Jamie Raskin and Judy Chu, they have to go out there and play defense for them. And then people like Joy Reid are incredibly out of touch with what's truly happening. I mean, this woman is one of the craziest people that I've seen on television. She actually made the statement that our justice system is 
biased in favor of Donald Trump. Real quick, Fredo says, uh, when reached for comment on Judy Chu's statements, Hunter replied, no yellow. <laughs> uh and uh, Richard Dollar, good to see you, Rich. Uh, he says, uh, Zach's a mover and a shaker, a real Billy Coleman, like in Where the Red Fern Grows. He won't stop. <laughs> That's a great story. Oh, man, that made me cry when I was a kid. Okay, so listen to Joy Reid on The Readout. But we begin tonight with equal justice under the law. It's the basic bottom line concept that the legal system is supposed to work the same way for all of us. Yep. So whether you're rich or poor, white or black or brown, gay or straight, famous or not so famous, the legal system is supposed to treat you the same. That is the goal under the U.S. Constitution, at least. Of course, we all know that that is not actually how it works. And sometimes, just sometimes, we get a little reminder. Take a look at this. This is footage of Union Square in New York City on Friday. The crowd had gathered after being summoned online by Kai Sinet. Now, if you've never heard of Kai Sinet, join the club. I'd never heard of him either until my son Miles called me to tell me about this incident. Kai Sinet, as it turns out, is the very famous, most popular streamer on an app called Twitch, which the youngins use to live stream about gaming, sports, entertainment, and the like. He had advertised a huge giveaway of electronic gizmos, including PS5 gaming systems, which are really expensive. So, of course, the teenagers came in numbers and the gathering turned unruly. Dozens were arrested, including Sinat, who was charged with inciting a riot and promoting an unlawful assembly. He now, per the usual, these kids showed up and for some reason, I don't know what, but modern youth seem to have a problem behaving in public, especially in large groups. There was a riot, okay? Kai Sinat had about 10,000 or more people show up, and these kids were jumping all over people's cars and doing wrestling moves and breaking windshields and standing on the uh, the hoods and the roofs. It was bad behavior. I mean, it was a riot. So what Joy Reid is saying here is that the treatment that Kai Sinat received uh, is clearly an indication of our biased judicial system. Well, what Joy Reid fails to demonstrate is the manner in which our justice system is in favor of Donald Trump. I mean, the man is running for president once again, and all he seems to experience is brand new indictments that miraculously coincide with the news of the Biden crime family coming out in the mainstream media. Again, we're waiting on indictments to come from uh, from Georgia. I wonder when that's going to happen. Joy Reid is a racist. She is a rabid racist and a race baiter. Uh, now, speaking of John, I didn't even think about I should have brought this story up then. But uh, recently, Mike Pence made some statements about Donald Trump uh, that seemed to indicate that he had turned on him. Uh, and Donald Trump responded to Mike Pence on Truth Social, and he called him Little Mike Pence, L-I-D-D-L-E. Now, if you have been an Anon for any length of time, you probably remember Donald Trump calling Adam Schiff, little Adam Schiff. What's interesting is that there is a child, uh, like a children's nonprofit, a nonprofit that's devoted to uh, massaging babies, basically. Uh, they are called little kids. 
they're based in Adam Schiff's district, or they at least had held events in Adam Schiff's district. I don't have the dig in front of me, so forgive me if I'm incorrect on that. But there was a connection between Adam Schiff, this organization, Little Kids. Now, that's the only thing that I've ever been able to associate with that term little. Donald Trump called Mike Pence little as well. Now, you guys probably remember there are people out there who claim that Mike Pence is uh, the the worst kind of uh, child offender in the same way that Adam Schiff is. I don't know that to be true, and I'm certainly not saying that it is a fact. But I thought it was interesting that Donald Trump called Mike Pence little in the same way that he called Adam Schiff little. And then Donald Trump the other day even mentioned the term little and said, nobody knows what I mean when I say that. So I think that perhaps the interpretation of little as used by Donald Trump is still open to interpretation. Now, uh, Mike Pence's former national security advisor has come out uh, really, really in favor of Donald Trump and and blasting Mike Pence uh, for the statements that he's recently made about Donald Trump. I mean, uh, Mike Kellogg was, excuse me, Keith Kellogg was present in the White House. He worked directly with Mike Pence. He worked directly with Donald Trump. uh, And he he knew them throughout the entire time that uh, they were both in the White House. And he says that he's disappointed in President uh, in Vice President Pence's recent statements about President Trump. He said, I've worked alongside many leaders in my years of service to this nation. Among them, President Donald J. Trump stands apart. Highlighting the former president's unwavering determination, Keith Kellogg said that Trump has a deep vision for America and the courage to take a stand where others wilt. And he hailed President Trump's bold and dramatic leadership style. It's one of the things I love about him. He also claims to have ushered in numerous achievements for the nation, as we know he did. Now, in turning attention to Mike Pence, he says, while I respect his service to our nation— I must express my disappointment in his recent actions regarding Donald Trump. Uh, Continuing on, um, he says, uh, while President Trump has consistently put America first, prioritizing our citizens, our economy and global standing, Pence's actions have often seemed more focused on political maneuvering and maintaining his image. That is not what Republican voters want. President Trump's dedication to the prosperity and security of the United States is unwavering as is his vision for the future. I believe in the future President Trump envisions, a future that demands bold and decisive leadership, something we have seen in President Trump, but not from former Vice President Pence. And I I have to say, I agree with his characterization, uh, but uh, of course, uh, it does not answer the ultimate question, is Mike Pence's behavior simply a... Uh, an acting job that he's putting on. I mean, central casting. Is he acting on the behest of Donald Trump uh, to push Donald Trump even closer into our minds uh, to present him as a person that is being attacked from all sides? Uh, You might also remember John Loro, the uh, current attorney for President Trump, He mentioned that if Mike Pence, they're going to call Mike Pence as a witness. He's going to be forced to testify in this January 6th case. And Mike Pence already wrote about the events of January 6th. So his recent statements about President Trump apparently asking him to change uh, the results of the election, uh, that is in contrast to what he already stated previously. Now, Mike Pence also gave an interview earlier today uh, where he directly acknowledged that As vice president, as the president of the Senate, he had the power to send 
the decision to settle on the electors back to the state legislators. But he said, I didn't want to do it because it would cause havoc. Well, uh, that's something that Mike Pence could testify to, that he actually had the power. That would vindicate Donald Trump uh, in his quest for alternate electors. That would vindicate Donald Trump in his quest to uh, securely and legitimately certify the events of the 2020 election, because the events we were given were not certifiable. They were not legitimate. It was not real. Um, So at the end of the day, Mike Pence, I think he's doing exactly what he needs to do. He is showing that Donald Trump is a man beset on all sides by the enemies of America. And regardless of whatever Mike Pence's true intentions are deep down inside, I think what's most important is the air appearance that he puts on. And in so many of these situations, that's what I think is important as well. Because, you know, I I, I think that it... it, um, it, it it isn't good for us. It's not good for our argument when people are like, ah, oh, you know, you know, it's it's all an act and it's no big deal. Um, because not everybody realizes when there are parts that are being played. For the majority of America, it's important for them to see the struggle that Donald Trump is going through and the manner in which he's being attacked by such a, a corrupt and and powerful organization as the deep state. That's what people have to see. Uh, so uh, as we move forward in time, uh, as we continue to watch these things playing out, I think that we need to highlight the struggle that Donald Trump is involved in and the struggle that, frankly, we as American citizens are involved in as well. This is not just another four-year election. This is not just another opportunity for Donald Trump to put his name on a ballot. This is nothing short of the future of America, the future of our nation, of our children, of future generations. And it's something that we must strive to ensure, because if America does not survive, the human race will not survive. So finally, before we wrap up, let me just say thank you to one more person, Filter Dog One. Have you checked out Duppy's Bloodline Digs? So somebody, uh, Pi, I believe, uh, sent me Duppy's Bloodline Digs uh, last night after the show. I have not seen them before, but I'm definitely uh, going to be in the midst of watching them right now. Um, I didn't have a chance before I began today, but Duppy, if you're out there, uh, I'm definitely going to be checking out your work, man. And uh, uh, Pi said that you uh, are a follower of the channel. So uh, if uh, if you want to reach out to me, man, uh, please do. Because uh, it might be interesting for us to do a show on the Illuminati based upon your voluminous research. So uh, there we go. Uh, Thank you very much. Yes, I sincerely appreciate all of you being here. Thank you very, very much for hanging out with us today. Let me just make sure that there's no thank yous over on Ko-Fi or on Cash App. I don't think so. Um, The other day, somebody had donated on Ko-Fi, but I think I did give them a thank you on air. Uh, Julie at Gart with dogs. <laughs> Thank you very much, Julie. Uh, she supported me. Let me see. She said facts that are na- fats that are naturally fatty being healthy is another thing we've been lied to about. We should basically turn the food pyramid upside down. Two great easy watch documentaries are The Magic Pill and Fed Up. They both opened her eyes. Uh, This would be a great show uh, topic for you. Thank you for all you do. Love your shows. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, and I appreciate your support of the channel. It means a lot. Uh, Penny Whitbrot says, Ron Little wrote a book called Selfish Whining Monkeys. (laughs) Okay. 
Let's go ahead and check that out. Ron Little, Selfish Whining Monkeys. Ron Little, Selfish Whining Monkeys. <laughs> that could definitely be what President Trump is referring to. Uh, he wrote this, looks like back in 2014. Uh, Will Self marvels that the controversial columnist condemns himself over 200 pages. All right. Well, thank you very much, Penny, for putting me on to uh, that dig. I'm definitely going to check that out. Uh, and let me go ahead and pass out these gold pills, and then we're going to get going. Uh, thank you again, everybody, for being here. Please, if you haven't yet, hit that like button on your way out. You can always share the show. Uh, any uh, assistance you guys can give me in helping get the word out. I'm at 185,000 subscribers, and, uh, and the more people we have here, eyes on, uh, the more people that we can have out there actively working to save America. Thank you very much. Good luck. God bless. I love you. And we'll see you tomorrow.